Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. The truth of the matter, we really don't need, we need it, but it's not a real pressing thing, another, another message or another sermon. Man, we really do in this dark, dark day. I was talking to God Friday and Saturday and uh, I was just talking about America evolving into a pagan nation. And that's why you see all this demonic stuff. 45 earrings, 36 colors. It's because we are transitioning into a pagan nation. And, uh, and we've brought it into the church. Uh, and it, and it's, it's, it's breeded confusion because people don't know which way to turn. And um, I know I ministered a message, a series for a long time on, uh, on the family. And it seems as though since I have stopped ministering on that message, all hell has broken out against married couples. And some of them are having a very difficult time right now holding it together in front of you because what you see here is not what is present at home did you already greet one another yes. you can have a seat I said this uh, on, a, on a Wednesday and I'll say it again today a young man came to me very distraught. It was clear to me when I looked at him that he was, he was very, very challenged. And he said, he said, Pastor, he said, I feel like a hypocrite. He said, I just, I, I feel, I feel like I'm a hypocrite and I just, it's just so hard for me to go to church because I feel like a hypocrite. He said, I just felt the least I could do is just stay away from church. And I said, uh, why do you feel like you're a hypocrite? And he said, well, I come to church and I sing, you know, and I do what we, you know, what we do in our church. He said, but I don't, I don't do that when I go home. And he said, and I don't do it on my job. And he said, and I realized that I was only really acting like I loved God when I came to church. And he was sincere. He's the kind of person, he's a sincere guy. And uh, he said, I just feel like just throwing in the towel because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be phony. He said, 
one of your brothers. And I said, uh, young man, I said, your problem is not that you're a hypocrite. Your problem is not that you're phony. I said, your problem is you don't listen to enough word. Now, indulge me for a moment. Uh, did anybody eat yesterday? Uh, keep your hand up if it was more than once. Keep it up if you don't want people to know how many times it was. Uh, that yesterday was said. How many of you ate Friday? At least one meal. What, what, what about Thursday? Now, don't lie. I can look at you. It's clear some of you hitting it every day. A question, a question. What would you look like physically? And what would your temperament be like manifestedly if you only ate one meal a week? How long would you survive? Come on, talk to me. How long would you survive? If you only ate one meal every week, that's four times a month. I'm talking about naturally. I'm talking about eating natural food, physical food. How would you, could you walk in here on your own? If praise and worship service is going, how could, how much enthusiasm could you inject in your praise and worship? Eating four times a month. You'd have a very, very difficult time. Because your body would be shutting down for the lack of nourishment. Come on, say amen to this truth. And, and because you understand that reality and you are committed to, uh, to the voice of your physical body, uh, some of you listen to it more often than you should. Let me go home on this side. Yes? Well, let's flip the script and make it spiritual because some of you are trying to make it spiritually on four meals a month. So the brother is not a hypocrite. He's not phony. He is spiritually malnourished. And when you are spiritually malnourished, you yield to your flesh instead of the spirit. When you are spiritually malnourished, when you leave the church, it won't be long. Folk won't even know you've been to church. Because if the only time you hear my voice 
is on Sunday morning and every now and then on Wednesdays, you're not even hearing the man of God that God placed over your life long enough and consistent enough for the word that's coming from him to lodge down into your soul and to produce a harvest. For faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the brother is not a hypocrite. He does not receive enough word every week to express into the earth the light of God. And so consequently, there are things that he will do that he's sorry that he's engaged in, but he's not spiritually strong enough to fight back the onslaughts of the enemy. And eating when you should not be eating will always get you in trouble. Speak Holy Ghost. Eating food will always get you in trouble when you should be pushing back your plate. I'm going to mess with us now. Because in this modern day church, we don't know anything about fasting. And when I grew up in church, we fasted once a week, every week, every Wednesday. And some churches every Thursday. Are you all listening to me? Eating when you should not be eating will always, amen, it will always have dire consequences. As a matter of fact, there was a, there was a, a, a field, there was a, there was a harvest of, of fruit in the garden. And God uh, told uh, Adam, he said, you can eat of anything in the garden. But of this tree, the tithe. But of this tree, you shall not eat. You, you, can, you can do whatever you want to do with the 90%, but this 10%, it, it, it belonged to me. And did he eat? I said, did he eat? Did he eat? Now, God didn't charge Eve uh, like he did Adam. And the reason God did not charge Eve like he did Adam is because God didn't tell Eve not to eat. God told Adam, not to eat. And Adam told his wife in Bible study what God told him in counseling. So when Eve spoke to the serpent, she was only regurgitating what her husband had taught her in Bible study. I wonder what your husband taught you in Bible study. Or do you have a husband who holds Bible study? Because a woman is always at a disadvantage when she is married to a man who can't teach her. Ooh, Jesus. And you have no business marrying a man who can't teach you. Ooh, God. You, you see, if you marry a man who can't teach you and all the teaching you get is from me, your husband will be getting mad at me because I'm teaching you. 
when all I should be doing is confirming. And so we got in trouble as humanity because somebody ate when they should have been fasting. And then the last Adam came, amen, and he fasted when the devil was trying to get him to eat and restored us back to the place that we had fallen as a result of the first Adam. Can somebody say amen? amen. And so today, many of you, you don't need hands laid on you. You need a commitment to the word of God. And if the only time you fellowship with the word of God is when you're in here, man, you're a major target for the devil. I'm not asking you to do what I do, which is about two hours or more every day of listening to the word of God. Because you're not called to do exactly what I'm called to do. But you are called of God to remain spiritually strong. And if you'll take what I'm teaching and listen to it over and over and over and over to the place where you can teach it to people on your job or in your home, then you're making progress. But if you're not listening to the word like that young man, and don't throw stones at him, you can't because I didn't name him. Truth of the matter, I can name a whole lot of folk in here. You're experiencing the same thing. That the only victory and the only godliness that you express during the week is on Sunday morning. The only time you hear the word is on Sunday morning. The only time you look at your Bible for a whole week is on Sunday. That's four times a month. Look at all of the days in the month that goes by and you don't even touch spiritual food. And so I'm not saying you're not saved because I believe you can be saved and cuss. And some of you know it's the truth. I believe you can be saved and cuss. Say amen for your role. Amen. Some of you know what I'm saying is the truth because you cuss. Not long ago. Because you can cuss. You can do more than that. You can fornicate. Yes, you can. You can get drunk. Yes, you can. You can get high on drugs. Don't tell me you can't. Some of you know I'm telling the truth. Say amen so I know it's you. You know you can. And then you'll say out of your mouth, you love Jesus. And you'll say you're saved. And I believe you. And the word of God doesn't say you're not saved. You're just flesh ruled. And you're flesh ruled because you don't feast regularly on spiritual food. And because you don't feast on the word of God enough, you are spiritually anemic. So if we put you in the right situation, you'll cuss us like a person who doesn't know God. 
Here you are, listen to me. I heard the man praying this morning. Here you are, here you are saved, confessing you love God, and you're worried. And you're stressed out. Why are you worried? Why are you stressed out? Because you don't feast on the word. There's nothing that can defeat you. There's nothing that can stop you. But if you don't believe it, you can't act upon it. So you worry just like a man or woman who don't know God. You're stressed out just like a person who don't know Jesus. Oh, you've heard the word, but you don't believe it. Are you all listening to me? I said, are you listening to me? So you have to, the word of God says, then faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have to keep hearing the word. I'm telling you, you wouldn't want me to be your pastor. And if I stop listening to the word. Because I'd cuss. And I wasn't a cusser. But some people will try your last nerve. And sometimes you just want to tell somebody something just so they know that you can, that you can tell them. Come on now. And, and I'd whip a couple of people. I didn't say fight, I'd whip them. Fighting is fighting. Whipping is beating their behinds. Amen. In the parking lot before next Sunday. But it's the word of God that will constrain you. I can't even tell you how many people who've got all belligerent in my presence and walked away, you know, thinking they'd done something. They just didn't know that if it wasn't for the word of God, somebody would be dragging them out of this park. It's the truth. And I'm not just talking. Hallelujah. And sometimes your flesh just want to get loose so you can still see you got it. Don't mess with me now. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you listening to me? So, so all I'm saying to you is that your challenge is you're not listening to enough word. And when you don't listen to enough word, your natural fleshy man will, will dominate you. And don't tell me what you won't do. Don't you stick up your nose at somebody who has done it as though you can't and won't do it. Don't tell me what you won't do. If God takes his hand off of us, hey man, we, we be like the, the Bible says, a dog going back to his vomit. God doesn't keep us, but he keeps us through his word. Can somebody say amen? This is not the lesson, but just real quick, go to, to Mark. I think that's what I want. Mark uh, 9, 23. Just, just let me do this. Because it seems as though hell has opened up every demon it's got to try and uh, to mess up our unions, to mess up our families. There's a serious attack upon the family. I told you all 
all about, I don't know, was it 15 years ago, mother? 10, 15 years ago? And when I said it, uh, the members looked at me like I was crazy. They ain't looking at me crazy now. But I said, I see something on the horizon. I said, and the day is coming when this nation is going to embrace pedophiles. And they're no longer going to call it a crime. But they were just made that way. Sad to say, we're at that door. I always knew in my spirit that if a nation would stoop as low as to sanction and make it law to kill a baby. Now, I'm not getting political. I'm not talking about Republican or Democrat, but I am talking about kingdom. And if you're in the kingdom, you have to be for life. If you're in the kingdom of God, let me do it Democrat, Republican. That, that's, that's hogwash. If you're in the kingdom of God, you have to be for life. Somebody said, well, what's your position? I don't have a position. My position is of the kingdom. And the kingdom position is life, not death. So don't let them play those political games with you. Being in the kingdom of God, I hear this, I need to say it again, you have to be for life. It doesn't make you a bad Democrat or a bad Republican or a good one. You have to be for life. If you are a child of God, you're in the kingdom of God, you have to be for life. It's not going over good, God. I'm bumping into a little resistance. But you have to be for life. Thank God somebody believed in life for you. My mother could have aborted me. Now all the other four or five siblings. Hard time. I said, hard time. Only raised two out of the five, but she let all five live. I'm with my daddy, one with a grandmother, one somewhere else, two with her. But she let us live. I rejoice every time I see a baby in this church. Whether they're married or not married, I still rejoice. No, no, no. I'm not sanctioning having babies out of wedlock, but I still thank God for the young lady that would allow the baby to live. The baby's not sin. Two people. Are you in Mark 9? Look at verse 23. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, Steve, all things are possible to him who believe. Notice it did not say all things are possible because all things may not be possible for you. 
The word of God says all things are possible to them that believe. And when you believe God, all things are possible for you. And notice he didn't put anything in the text as a qualifier other than you believe in God. So anything you face is possible if you believe God. And we had a demonstration last Sunday where God was answering the prayer of a mother who had gone on to be with God. That we personally knew that sang in the choir that came out on Saturdays at prayer and prayed and cried out to God for her children. And she went on to be with the Lord and God still answered her prayer concerning her babies. Not one of them, but two of them came to the altar and gave their lives to the Lord. Ooh, Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Let, let me just do this and, and, and we'll be finished for today. Uh, let's go to the first synoptic gospel, our foundational text. The first synoptic gospel, chapter 6, our foundational chapter and verse, and, and then we're going to move forward. Verse number 19. If you're there, say amen. This is elementary stuff. This stuff you learn in, in uh, Sunday school. Matthew chapter 6, you there? Look at uh, verse number 19. Did they have, do they have it on the screen? It's, it's up there now. Ready? Read. Next verse, number 20. Uh, last verse, verse 21. Would you read verse 21 again, please? W would you read it real loud for the person next to you so that they can, they can hear that you are, uh, the word is speaking to you this morning? Ready? Read. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the title would be, Where is your treasure? Where is your, here's a good one. What is it that you treasure? Where is your treasure? Now, we've already discussed this in the previous lessons, and, and I shared with you that the Western in, interpretation of this scripture is that the treasure refers to money which is laid up in the world. And most preachers will take this out of context because they think that Jesus is talking about money here and that he was saying, don't take your money and like hoard it up in a bank. But, but take, take your treasure, uh, put your treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust can get to it. And then I shared with you uh, in that first teaching, I believe it was on a Wednesday night, that Jesus was not referring to in this text money, but he was referring to the way you think. Your treasure is your thoughts. 
Your treasure is your thoughts. Your treasure is your thoughts. Your treasure is your thoughts. Are, are you all with me? So in this case where symbols and figures of speech are used, the proper understanding of the scripture meaning is necessary. So if you don't have the proper understanding, if you don't exegese this correctly, then you're going to get the wrong interpretation. And in many cases, we've heard this passive scripture for years, time after time after time, and we thought it was money. And most preachers preach this in the context that it was money. And Jesus was not talking about money at all. What Jesus is saying here has nothing to do with money. You remember I said Jesus was not referring to money, was not referring to cash. I think I mentioned Olivier's uh, country, the Congo. I mentioned francs. I talked about pounds. I talked about Japanese. I talked about the yen. That Jesus was not moolah, pesos. That Jesus was not talking about money. And so people in church who didn't have money would look at people with money uh, uh, and snarled at them as though having money meant that you were far from God and not having money meant that you were close to God. And then some people we respected, they would say different things about money. You got to be careful about money. You don't want too much money. Now, I thought that was Bible because I heard this spoken from church folk in church. Oh, you, you got to be careful about money. Money's, money has a strange characteristic to it. No, money's neutral. C can I just be real frank with you about money? If every person in this room had enough money, they could remove 95% of the things that are concerning them this morning. The other 5% would be healing in their body or something. But most of the problem that people have in this life has to do with a lack of money. Are you listening to me? So the way Satan robs us from having money is give us a wrong view about money. Because you can't attract what you despise. You know, money is the root of all evil. And that's folks quoting the Bible that haven't read it. You know, money's the root of all. And I thought that's what the Bible said because I heard church folks saying it. And so I didn't read the Bible. I was quoting scriptures. At least I thought it was. Not that I read it, but I heard people in church saying I heard it enough that I put it to memory and thought I was talking Bible. You, you know, money's the root of all. That's, money is not the root of all evil. The Bible says the love of money. And I've come to discover that there's people who don't have any money loving more than people who got it. For the love of money. It's the love of money that will rob you from tithing. Say amen to the truth. Some of you still didn't say it. All right. It's the love of money that will rob you from doing what God would tell you to do with it. 
If God tells you to give somebody something, God tells you to buy somebody something, God tells you to buy groceries for something, God tells you to pay somebody's rent, it's your love of it. It's your love of money that makes you stingy. It's your stingy self. I don't want to look up as if some of you are stingy. You're stingy. You're stingy because you love money. And you love money more than you love God. Because you love God more than you love money, then you would obey God and money would obey you. And if you love God more than you love money, then God would be able to trust you with more than what you think you have. Say amen to the truth. Put up nugget number, number one, nugget number two, and nugget number three, please. Nugget number one. Ready? Read. Number two. State of change and decay. Nugget number three. Nugget number four. Hold it on number four. Hold it on number four. The five senses produces uncertainty at every turn of life and enslaves us to bondage of fear. Nugget number five, please. We must realize what, who, and where we are. Where are we? Who are we? What are we? Where are we? The Bible says that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Who are we? We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What are we? We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. All of that is saying that no matter what comes to you in life, you're more than a conqueror over it. That it has already been defeated by your elder brother, Jesus. So you become discouraged when you lose vision of who you are and what you are and whose you are. Yes, Jesus. Yes, <clears throat> Nugget number what, six? Please. We can reflect the mind of Christ as we die to self. My marriage will be better if I die to myself. I will be a better friend, a loyal friend, if I die to myself. I'll be easier to get along with if I can just die to myself. Because most of the time when I'm having problems and issues is because 
I'm upset over something that I didn't get. Uh, selfish. It's all about me, pleasing me, satisfying me. And when you don't do it, I pout. No, no, no. We don't pout like we did when we were kids, you know, in Owl Six at Price Choppers, you know, kicking and stuff and screaming because, you know, we want some Cracker Jacks. But what we do when we become grown like we are, we shut down. Uh, we give each other the silent treatment. Or we don't speak, we start, we start grunting. How you doing, honey? Mm. It's a beautiful day in this, sweetheart. Mm -hmm. You know, everything is short. Be, 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 the thing that's fueling it, there's something, something you want, something you desire, something you wanted to happen that didn't happen that you didn't get, and now you're pouting. And there's nothing worse than two people in marriage and both of them are babies. Because babies don't share. Ooh, Jesus. Have you ever seen two people married and both of them act like babies? Or one of them? That's mine. My mama gave it to me before I ever met you. That's mine. Are, are you all listening to me? One man, the woman wanted to divorce him. He got mad. She said, I want half the house. True story. About maybe 15 some years ago. He went to uh, uh, like a hardware store, brought a, bought a, a chainsaw and cut the house in half. And the judge put him in jail like he should have. He went home and cut the house in half. Now, what is he or she going to do with a half of a house? But selfishness is like that. If I can't have it, nobody can have it. If I can't get any, nobody's going to get any. And when that attitude prevails in a marriage, Jesus... It's chaos every day. As a matter of fact, you can be fussing and falling out over things, and you can't even explain to people why. You can look at me cockeyed, but I know I'm speaking truth. You can be mad not speaking and can't tell people what it was over. Because you've become such professionals at falling out that you can fall out over nothing. Why, why are y'all not speaking? Uh-uh. You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we left the house. We were speaking. By the time we got halfway to church, we wasn't speaking. I don't know if it's something I said or something I didn't say. I, I mean, I don't know. Your mama's tripping. <laughs> I, I couldn't pass it up. I couldn't. <laughs> the truth of the matter many of God's people are fearful 
and they're uneasy, Minister Jones, anxious, because their thoughts are totally engrossed in things. You, you got to see this. Go to Luke chapter 12. You have to see this. Luke chapter 12. And look at verse 15. And, and he said to them, this is Jesus, yes? He said, take heed and beware of covetousness. 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 For one's life does not consist, Steve, in the abundance of things that he possesses. So you're not valuable because you have stuff. And you're not more valuable than somebody else because you have more stuff than they got stuff. And you're not important because you got more stuff than everybody in the room with their stuff. And God is not impressed with our stuff because all of our stuff is decaying. And you're not important because you have stuff. And you're not better because you have stuff. And you're not smart because you have stuff. There are smart folks under bridge. You're not the sum total of the things that you have accumulated. And we're not required to worship you because you got a lot of stuff. And we're not required to give you a special seat in the church because you got more stuff. And in the eyes of God, your stuff is, doesn't make any difference with somebody else's stuff. And because stuff don't really matter, why are you comparing your stuff with somebody else's stuff? And why do you get depressed because your stuff doesn't amount to somebody else's stuff? And why are you upset because your stuff didn't cost what her stuff caused? That dress is just nothing but stuff. You're only going to wear it one time for us to see it. It's just stuff. Cars is just stuff. Houses and land, it's just stuff. And why do you always want more stuff? And why do you keep saying when you get that stuff, you're going to be satisfied? Then you get that stuff and you want more stuff. And why is you mad at your husband today because he didn't buy you some stuff this week? And how come you're not nice to your husband because he didn't get you some stuff at the mall on Friday? And why do you want all the stuff you see? And how come you're not happy unless you're receiving stuff? You only treat me nice when I'm buying you stuff or you play witchcraft on me. You start being nice so that I will buy you stuff. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, but you use it for witchcraft. 
I know when you get nice and start being nice to me, there's some more stuff you want. Oh, Jesus. And when you don't want any stuff for that given moment, you don't even really speak to me until you see some more stuff. I'm parking a car because I'm in your house. You only chose that man because you thought he could buy you stuff. And you told the one no that you should have said yes to, but he didn't look like he could buy you So the devil tricked you with a brother who had some stuff. But he didn't tell you the stuff was his mama's stuff. <laughs> Jesus said that life does not consist in the abundance of your stuff. So if you're only happy when I give you stuff, then that means that you're not happy with me. You just like my stuff. And Jesus says life does not consist of all your stuff. Oh, this is good. I said, this is good. Matthew 4, 4. We've already done this, but let's look at it again. Matthew 4, 4. Real quick. Ready? Read. But he answered and said, it is written. Now, Jesus is getting ready to talk. Ready? What did he say? And I share with you that Jesus wasn't just saying something out of his mouth to be saying it. Jesus was quoting the word. When he spoke in Matthew 4, 4, he was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Well, how did Jesus quote the word? How did he quote the word? When the devil attacks you, what do you say? Or do you just start crying? Or do you tell the devil, you know what pastor preached on Sunday? And the devil said, yeah, I know what he preached. Do you know? So, so I'm trying to get you to see in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus didn't just say something out of his mouth. He quoted Deuteronomy. He quoted the book of Moses. He quoted the book of the Pentateuch. He quoted the book of the law because Jesus was operating under the law. Grace hadn't started yet. Grace didn't happen until the other side of the cross. When Lucifer came to Jesus and tried to tempt him, what did the Bible say Jesus said? Jesus said, you know who I am. 
He didn't say that. He didn't say, devil, get out of here. You know, you know who you're messing with. He didn't do that. When the devil came to Jesus, Jesus didn't say, you know what the Bible says. He didn't say that. The Bible says that when Satan came to Jesus, Jesus says, it is. Okay, how did he know what was written unless he studied? You see why the devil was whipping that young man's behind who was coming to me, whipping his behind so much that he thought he was a hypocrite? He wasn't a hypocrite. The devil was whipping his behind because he didn't know the word. And he didn't know the word because he didn't study. And perhaps he didn't study because he had no real desire to study. And as a believer, you can be a believer and have no real desire to study that you have to cry out to God to give you a desire. Yes, sir. Because some of you treat the Word of God like you treated natural school. You didn't study. You didn't study in school and you don't study spiritual things. And so you didn't do well in school and you're not doing well in the kingdom. Because you don't study. And when the enemy is coming against you, you can't quote anything. If the devil is attacking your finances, you, you need financial words. You don't need, you don't need to be talking about healing. Or talking about Jesus wept. This is not a crying moment. You need a breakthrough. Are you listening to me? And you need to study as a believer long enough and hard enough that you stop being scared of Jehovah Witnesses. Always acting like you're not home. Why? Because you're scared. You know they know more about what they know than what you know. Because even in church you don't pay attention like you didn't pay attention in the classroom. Jesus. So the devil whips your behind and have his way with your whole household because nobody knows how to fight. And I'm not talking about fighting with your dudes. That's why these little punks in the street shoot each other because they can't fight. 113 pounds. But he's a bad dude because he, he's loaded. And talking about he's looking for, he's not looking for a fight. He want to shoot somebody. Why? Because he can't fight. You take his gun and he's a punk. Let him go back to my day, the old school, where they put a stick on your shoulder. Come on, don't leave me by myself. And when it's somebody you're not sure you can whip, you take the stick off. I don't need no stick. But if somebody you think you can get them, you knock it off. I dare you knock it off. 
But if it's somebody you're not sure of, <laughs> I ain't putting no stick on my show. Then you get somebody that'll knock it off. And you say, to do it again. <laughs> y'all, y'all remember that? But you had to fight. I mean, you, and people respected you. You had to fight. And, and in my neighborhood, you had to fight fair. And the worst thing can happen, you get whipped. No big deal. And people respected you. Not that you won or lost, but that you would, that you would find. And you might whip him, but man, he's going to give you everything he's got. They're not going to be able to tell who won by the way everybody looked. <laughs> now we got guns and everybody's bad. Are you listening to me? Is, is this helping anybody at all? No, Jesus dealt with the devil with the word of God. Not if, but when. Not if, but when. When the devil comes to you, against you. Not if, but when he comes. Not if, but when he comes against your marriage, when he comes against your children, when he comes against your finances, when he comes against your health when he comes against your peace, when he comes against your joy, when he comes against your victory, when he comes against your house, when he comes against your business. What are you going to do to ward him off from his attack? Because there's only one thing, say one thing, there's only one thing that will defeat him. And that is word of God. And how can you speak the word if you don't know it? And how can you know it if you don't study? It's sad to say a lot of Christians don't study. That's why they can hear all this junk on television and believe it because they don't know. Is, 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 this, is this good? Now, I said that many of God's people were fearful and uneasy and anxious because their thoughts are engrossed in what? Engrossed in things. They're not abiding in Christ Jesus because their hearts, their hearts, their hearts are where their thoughts are. And Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh in his in his heart. So we all are a sum total of what we think. So if that's the truth, then nobody just accidentally get in trouble. It first has to become a thought. You see, you don't just worry. It has to first be a thought. Worry is just a sign that you lost the battle of the thought in your mind. Worry is just a manifestation. When you're worrying, that's just an outward manifestation that you lost the spiritual battle. Are you listening to me? 
I'm not saying you can't worry, but worry is only an outward man. That's the only way you're going to know that you lost the spiritual battle is you start worrying. So that means when that thing attacked your mind, you were not able to defeat it with what? The word of God. And because you couldn't defeat that thought with the word of God, the outward manifestation is you become anxious. You become worried. And the Bible says be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, make your request known unto God. So God is not saying talk to me to be talking. God is saying when you talk to me, I will answer. And if you know God has answered your request, how can you worry? Just because you got an eviction notice tucked on your door is no sign for you to worry. That's the time for you to believe God. When they're talking about evicting and taking your home, that's no time for you to worry. That's the time for you to believe God. When they repossess your car, that's no time for you to worry. You got to believe God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For the car, not necessarily for the car, but for some more transportation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. I'm teaching what, I, what I've lived now. Because the devil come all kind of ways to try to get you to doubt God. Here you are in Kansas City, talking about God sent you to Kansas City, and you got a notice on your door of eviction. What are you going to do now? I'm going to believe God. God sent me here, and if he sent me here, then he's well able to take care of me. And the truth of the matter, devil, if God doesn't take care of me, I can't be taken care of anyway, no matter where I'm at. Who Jesus. Who Jesus. Let's, let's close out with this. My time is gone. Let's go to Galatians 5, verse 16. Galatians 5. Is it warm in here or is it just me? It is. I apologize again that we didn't come in and... Uh, get caught up in this room. Amen. It won't happen again. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. But uh, just know this. Just think about how hot hell's going to be and, and you'll cool off right now. You, <laughs> right now. It won't be any, won't be any room for complaining. Man, I love the church, but it was hot up in there. This is just a glimpse <laughs> of what it's going to be like if you go the wrong direction. Are you in Galatians 5? Look, let's look together at verse number 16. Ready? Read. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I was thanking the Holy Spirit yesterday for his ability to keep me on the right path. And I was thanking him, Mother, for keeping me when I was feeling weak in myself. 
And then I pray this prayer, God, even if I think I want something that in its wrong, God, don't let me have it. And if I, you know, you know, met, you know, get the, you know, uh, Lord, don't pay no attention to that. Just let me, you know, do my little ugly dance, you know, because my flesh is recoiling because God, I want you to know at the end of the day, I really do want your will to be done. And, and now when I say I'm talking, that's how I talk to God. I don't, you know, I don't know how you talk, but I talk to him like he's my friend and I talk to him like he's my father. I, I talk to God like he loves me and, and I talk to God like he really wants me to win. And then I also talk to God like he already know everything. So it's not sense of me trying to shuck and jive in my prayer because he already know what I was thinking about and he already know what I would have done if he hadn't helped me. So, you know, I don't come in, you know, trying to act like I'm Superman. God help me. We don't have time for it. But I can tell you story after story that I got safely out of something and I can't even explain to you how I got out. And I know it was nothing but God keeping me because I wanted to do it. I tried, yeah, your pastor, I tried to go do it. And it still didn't happen. And by the time I came to my senses, I realized, oh God, God, thank you that you didn't allow the devil to conquer me in a moment of weakness, in a woman. Ah. I know it was you who kept me, but you kept me because of the prayer that I prayed that even when I find myself weak, God, I still want you to keep me. And even if I say I want something that you know I shouldn't have, don't give it to me because you know better than I know for myself. Guard me, protect me from doing something that would embarrass you and myself. Oh, Jesus. So, Apostle Paul, talking to the church at Galatia, he is speaking to the saints, and he says, this is how you walk in victory. This is how you guard yourself from being a hypocrite. This is how you guard yourself as a child of God from being viewed by the world as being phony. Walk in the spirit. If you walk in the spirit, you won't cuss somebody out. If you walk in the spirit, you will not get in the wrong bed. If you walk in the spirit, you'll not get in the wrong bed. If you walk in the spirit, you'll not get in the wrong bed. If you walk in the spirit, you'll not get in the wrong bed. B-E-D. If you walk in the spirit. If you walk in the spirit, you won't steal. If you walk in the spirit, you will not lie. If you walk in the spirit, you will not cheat. 
If you stay in the spirit, you will tithe and give liberally. If you walk in the spirit. Because if you walk in the spirit, your flesh will not have its way. If you walk in the spirit, you will exercise self-control over your physical body. Let me help you now. Because some sickness and disease is not the devil. It's not the devil. That's you being out of control. And there's some things I can't preach to you with any power to it unless I do it myself. I got enough money to be so big, I'd have to go out of these doors sideways. And if I allow my flesh to have its way like it was trying to have its way about a year and a half ago, you watched it. And my suits weren't getting tight because they were, they were shrinking. And then one day my man said, you need a size so-and-so. I said, what? He said, you're in size this. He said, but you need another size. And I said, I am not going to put on that suit. Then I also realized what, what a detriment I'm doing to my congregation by not exercising self-control. That as a leader, I have to be the first example. And then the doctor's got to telling me, asking me a question. He said, do you want to live? And I said, I said, yeah. I said, I'll live and not die. He said, well, you got to do so-and-so. I said, well, I'll do it. My son is in the room. He said, yeah, well, a lot of people say they'll do it, but they don't do it. I said, I don't say I'm going to do something and don't do it. Then I realized I was not only affecting myself, but I was affecting you because you're looking at me. And you're being entertained by whatever's on me. So it's hard to, for me to minister to you to live if I'm doing things that's killing me. So all I had to do, not cast out the devil, but cast me out. And have a desire to live. And I didn't go on a diet. Just started eating right. And when I start putting away things that wasn't right for my physical body, my body started lining up. Now I don't have stiffness in my joints. It should be so painful to do this. I had all that inflammation in my body because I wasn't eating right. Still pumping out, always pumped iron. You know, I got five sons. I don't know what they planted that night. <laughs> but I was counteracting what I was doing by being out of control in my eating. Not necessarily eating a lot, but eating wrong, eating wrong and eating the wrong stuff at the wrong time of the day. 
And by having that door open, the enemy came in. And then the doctor said, on this road, you won't live long. But the Bible promises me long life. But you can only claim long life if you do what's right. So I stopped drinking all those sodas. I stopped eating all that bread and potatoes. Not fasting, just eating right. And exercising. And the weight fell off. Now you're all looking at me funny. Preachers need to say more of this on Sundays than anything else. Because all those healing lines don't mean nothing if the people don't start eating the way they need to eat. We have to get away from that slave diet. I'm not knocking the slave diet because that's all our forefathers have. But you're not a slave anymore. Another reason why when the doctor said what he said, I got busy. I know some of you say it, but I mean it. I love me. I love me. Mm -hmm. And you'll always know when somebody loves themselves, they'll take care of themselves. Because we take care of what we love. And it's very difficult for me to take care of you if I won't take care of me. So it's not with a diet. Matter of fact, diets don't work. That's why it's a billion dollar industry. All you got to do is do what God says. And I'm going to come here in the in next few days. I'm working on something. I'm putting some things together for, the, for Harvest Church members. Not for everybody, but for Harvest Church members. The, the Lord is giving me something that that's, I believe is going to really, really bless us. I'm not talking about no cooking diet or no cooking. Like, I'm not coming out with a cookbook. <laughs> but I am saying that you have to exercise self-control. And that happens when you allow yourself to be controlled by the Spirit of God. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And hear me good. I've discovered that the hungrier, the hungry I get for spiritual things, the less hungry I am for natural things. And if you notice, people who are dominated on natural eating are very lean when it comes to spiritual eating. Because the more you eat spiritually, the less you think about eating naturally. Yes, sir, it is the truth. Because you're so, you're so geared into, listen to him, you can get into the word of God and it can become so, so, so life infusing that somebody will have to come and tell you to stop. And you look at your clock and hours have passed. And, and, and it, just like it's been a few minutes. And I, I mean, when you have to stop, you want to start, you can't wait to start back again. Because it's, it's become the fuel of your life. 
Not for the pastor, for any child of God. You've got to hear this. For any child of God. And so I close like I started. Your problem is not that you're phony. It's not that you're a hypocrite. You have to hunger for spiritual things. Jesus. And you have to hunger for the spiritual word of God because there is a hunger in the world for spiritual things, but it's not the word of God. And the enemy is accommodating them like never before. That's how we're shifting to a pagan nation. And we have to become spiritual so that we can demonstrate the power of God. Oh, God. We have to come back to the pattern of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. We have to come back as a church to the pattern. We've drifted from the pattern. And because we've drifted from the pattern, we don't see any power. So all we have become is an entertaining center. Because when you don't have power, you have to entertain. When you don't have power, if the, if the music department don't have power, they have to entertain. When the preacher doesn't have power, he or she has to entertain. But when you have power, demonstrated power, then the world, you'll get their attention. Because the world will come where miracles, signs, and wonders are happening. That was the, the first century church. They grew by the thousands. Not because you don't read anything about great preaching. But there were miracles, signs, and wonders. And it got the attention of the city. Because the city heard about blind folk coming, leaving the service and could see. That lame people came to the church service, but they left Harvest Church walking. You won't, you won't need to pass out flyers. You won't have to call channel five or nine. They'll come to you. They may not come here, but they'll sit outside that gate and wait. People come from everywhere. You don't even read in the Bible where Jesus attracted a crowd because he was a dynamic speaker. And Paul tried to be a dynamic speaker and fell on his face. Then finally he got the revelation and he said, I come to you not in the excellency of the speech of men and men's wisdom, but in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. When he did that, his ministry took off. Are you all listening? So we have to come back to the pattern. And I've been studying for the last 17 months on what was the pattern of the first century church. 
And if I were to stand here and talk for 15 or 20 minutes about the, the pattern of the first century church, I would scare you because you would see how far we have drifted from the first century church. And that 80 to 90% of what we do is, has no biblical base at all. Down to the choir. And people in the first century church, they didn't come to church to hear a choir. They didn't come for a praise team. The, the members, when the, the, the praise team was the members. Everybody came with a song. Everybody came with rejoicing. Anybody in the congregation could lead a song and people would join in. And then the, the apostles we get up and preach the gospel of the kingdom. They would preach the gospel of the kingdom. And signs and wonders would follow the word of the kingdom. And demons would cry out in the service. Because the power and the presence of God was in the place. And the Bible said, and they had all things in common. So they had unity. Wasn't anybody in the church talking about another member in the church? I said member. First, oh geez, here we go. Membership is not in the Bible. There's nowhere in the Bible where it talks about a ministry taking in members. Jesus, Jesus didn't die for members. He died for the world. Membership makes you a club. And so, in reality, when we, when we receive members, we're not really receiving members. We're just acknowledging that you're in the kingdom and this is your place of worship. Oh, Jesus. Because, you see, you can be a member in a church and not be in the kingdom. Member of a church and going to hell. Jesus, prophetess, did not, there's nowhere in the Bible where it talks about Jesus adding members. It talks about disciples. And a disciple is different than a member. Members come if they want to, don't come if they don't want to come to. Members participate, don't participate. But disciples is in it. All the way. And the Bible does not tell us to make good members. It tells us to make good disciples. And you can only make good disciples with the word of the kingdom. The word of the kingdom. 
And we don't understand that in this Western world because we don't understand kingdom. That's why we don't obey God any more than what we do is because we think being in God means that we're, it's a democracy. Are you listening to me? So we struggle in the Western Hemisphere in really obeying God as the king. And if you understand anything about the kingdom, when a king speaks, that's the law. And so we've got to get back to the pattern. And watch me. I'm, I'm working on something. Because if I do it hastily, I'll throw people off the ship. But if I'll yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God will bring this house back to the pattern. And you'll know when the pattern is here because miracles, signs, and wonders will break out everywhere because we've come back to the pattern. We've drifted so far from the pattern where people now are in church trying to find some get-rich scheme kind of thing. Got all kind of pyramids and stuff going on in the church. People trying to make sales, drifted away from the pattern. Are you all listening to me? And so you hear very little about the kingdom. That's why we see very little manifestation of the Spirit of God because the manifestation of the Spirit of God is all about the kingdom. Everything's about Jesus. When he preached, he always preached about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And we know very little about the kingdom. And we don't understand anything at all about the kingdom when we talk about America because America is not a kingdom. Because a kingdom does not have a president and a vice president. And so the church is trying to govern itself like a democracy. And the church is not a democracy. The church is a theocracy. It's a part of the kingdom. And you're either one or the other. You're in the kingdom of God or you're in the kingdom of the devil. You're in the kingdom of light or you're in the kingdom of darkness. In the kingdom of darkness, Satan is the father and the ruler. In the kingdom of light, God is the father and the ruler. Through his son, Jesus Christ. And so it's hard sometimes for us to do the things that we need to do because we have very little understanding about the kingdom. And so instead of building kingdoms, you have men and women building kingdoms unto themselves. And God's tired of it. And it's a new day. There's a shaking going on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There's going to be a dividing. And the Bible says that anything and everything that can be shaken, it will be shaken. So that which really belongs to God, it, it will remain. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.